Welcome to the Faith Lift Radio Podcast, where doubt is destroyed and your faith is lifted. Here's today's message from Dr. Glenn. We are just going to jump right into the Word today. Let's bow our head and let's pray. Father, we want to thank you today for the Word of the Living God. Spirit of God, I'm asking today that you will think through my mind and that you will speak through my lips. Thank you for these, your wonderful people. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. All right, so Pushtika's here and Sandy's here. May the Lord bless you. All right, if you have your Biblions, let's open our Biblions, please, to the book of Acts, the 12th chapter. So this week, I'm starting a brand new series with you, which I would like for you to share this on Facebook and, um, uh, you know, what other, what other platform that you have, the power of praying in tongues. I am a tongue talker. I do not make any apology for it. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not timid of it. Glory to God, because it's from God. It's from the Holy Spirit, and it will take you out of more problems that you can think of, okay? All right, Acts chapter 12. Now it says this. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex or to hurt, to harm uh, <clears throat> certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because his sword pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Now then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him intending after Easter, to bring him forth to the people. Now, there was uh, a death uh, assignment was released against the church uh, through the Herod administration. And so he killed James, the brother of John. And now he's going after Peter. So what did the church do? Now look at verse, verse 5. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison but prayer was made. Prayer was made. Now, what I want you to do is to underline in your Bible the fact that it says prayer was made. The question that you got to ask yourself is what kind of prayer was made? Because when we talk about prayer, there is a uh, that's a wide range that we can be talking about. Okay. For example, put your finger here for a minute. Let's go to the book of Timothy. Let's go to the book of Timothy, please. First Timothy, chapter 2, in verse 1. First Timothy, chapter 2, and verse 1 says, I exalt, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercession, supplications, prayers, and intercessions. Now, if they were all the same, it would not. There would be no need for Paul to put a distinction between them. But the fact that he says, "I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men." This this lets you know that there are different facets, different dimensions, different depth to the subject of prayer. Are you listening to me, somebody? Can you say amen? Now, 
So when the Bible tells you that prayer was made without ceasing unto God by the church for Peter, question we got to ask ourselves, was it intercessory, intercessory prayer? Was it the prayer of supplication? Was it the prayer of um, petition? Was it the prayer of binding and loosing? Was it the prayer of faith? Which one was it? Which what? Which prayer was it? Okay, so here's the deal. Let's go back to that Acts chapter 12, please. Now, I want you to notice the word. Peter, therefore, was made, was kept in prison, but prayer. Everybody say, but prayer. Say it again, but prayer was made without ceasing. Now, circle the words without ceasing, and that be the Greek word ektenos, E-K-T-E-N-O-S. And from the word ektenos, you get the word extended. As a matter of fact, what I want you to do is to write the word extended and protracted prayers. Extended and what? Protracted prayers. Now, so we see here, we can say this way, Peter, therefore, was kept in prison with a death assignment, with a death assignment hanging over his head after Herod had already executed uh, uh, James. But prayer was made, extended prayer, extended and protracted prayers, prayer was made for Peter to God by the church. Ladies and gentlemen, what is extended and protracted prayer. Notice that the word, it says, but prayer. Everybody say, but prayer. Now, let's go to Acts, the sixth chapter. Acts, chapter six. There's a few pages to your left. And you will see what the apostles said to the multitude of the disciples. Acts, chapter six, please. And we are going to read from verse 1. And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians, Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in their daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, that we may appoint over this business. Now look at verse 4. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer. Now that's what the English Bible says. We will give ourselves continually to prayer. But the Greek text, or the Greek, if you have a good Greek in a, in a linear Bible, it will say, but the, we will give ourselves to the prayer. Now, the insertion of the word the, there, implies a definite article. Now, what do we mean by a definite article? It means that the thing is known. Are you listening? If I tell you uh, uh, the book, the book. Well, the, the Bible is the book. Well, that tells you that there are many types of books, but th when we're talking about the book, we are making reference to the Bible. 
So it tells you, but we will give ourselves continually to the prayer. Now, what does that mean? That means that there is a, there is a wide range of prayers, such as the prayer of supplication, the prayer of petition, the prayer of, uh, of, of um, intercession, okay? The prayer of thanksgiving, the prayer of faith, uh, the prayer of uh, binding and loosing, the prayer of agreement, and so forth and so on. Different types of prayer, prayer of consecration, prayer of dedication, the prayer of inquiries. All these comes under the heading of prayer. But there is only one prayer, which is called the prayer, the ultimate prayer, and that be praying in tongues. We will give ourselves continually to the prayer, to the prayer. So go back to Acts chapter 12, same situation happens here. James has been executed. So which one do we pray? Do we bind or do we loose? Do we, um, do we supplicate or do we petition? Do we intercede? Do we give thanks? What is it? What is it? Which one? How many of you have ever been in a situation and you want to pray about it, but you don't know which weapon to use? Just like a golfer will have to go through his golf clubs and pick up the different clubs for the different shots. Sometimes you don't know which club of prayer to use for the most effective answer. But Paul gave us the, the, the key to this dilemma. All right, he says when, in Romans 8, 26, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. He didn't say we didn't know how to pray, but there are some situations that we encounter. We do not know how to pray about it more effectively. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself maketh. The Spirit who? Himself maketh intercession, right? For the saints, glory to God, amen, with what groanings which cannot be uttered. So what is that? That is praying in tongues, praying in tongues. There is only one prayer that you can pray without ceasing. There is only one prayer that you can do uh, extendedly, and you can, do, you can use that for extended and protracted time. There's only one prayer that you can do that, and that is praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues. What did the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 from the Amplified Bible? For if I pray in an unknown tongue, the Holy Spirit by my spirit prays. My spirit by the Holy Spirit prays. Can you say amen? Glory to God. So the only prayer that is called the prayer in the Bible is praying in tongues. So let me say this to you now. Let me say this to you, that tongues is established as a definite article. Therefore, I want you to write this down. Tongues is the ultimate prayer weapon, prayer tool for the New Testament believer in the New Testament era. Let me say it again. Tongues has been designed and established by God to be the ultimate prayer, the ultimate weapon, the ultimate tool. You hear what I'm saying here? The ultimate prayer, the ultimate weapon, 
the ultimate tool, glory to God, for the New Testament believer in the New Testament era. Can you say amen? Say that with me, please. No, the prayer, the, T-H-E, not the, not T-H-E-E, uh, the prayer, is the prayer. Okay, thank you, Mr. Tracy. All right, so write this down, please. Tongues has been designed, amen, and established as the ultimate prayer. It's the definite article. For the New Testament believer in the New Testament era, in other words, the church age, you and I, we are New Testament believer living in the New Testament era in the church age. Can you say amen? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory be to God. So that's what I want you to write down. Now, having said that, you need to understand that there are people who do not believe in tongues, who do not believe in miracles. Now, these are wonder they are good people, they love the Lord, they are safe, but they are known as cessationists, which means they believe that tongues has ceased. They believe that it was only for the apostolic age, and these people, the who believe in cessationism, believe, ladies and gentlemen, that the days of miracles and healings are not for us today. These are, these were only meant for the uh, early church for the uh, first century, the apostolic age. Well, that is pure nonsense because it's called the gift of the spirit, not the gift of the apostles. All right. Now, you need to understand there are some people who have deemed tongues to be of the devil. Well, to make it, to put it blunt to you, they are idiots. All right. <laughs> Just to put it bluntly to you, they are idiots. You are in good company when you pray in tongues. Peter prayed in tongues. Paul prayed in tongues. James prayed in tongues. The early church prayed in tongues. And I want to submit to you today, to you today if tongues was of the devil for us today, then it would have been of the devil for the first century believer. So this concept, this idea that tongues was of the devil is just plain ignorance. Are you, are you listening to me, somebody? Can you say amen? So I want to say it again. The idea that tongues was is of the devil today, if that was the case, then tongues would have been of the devil in the life and timeline of the Apostle Paul, of Peter, James and John, and the early church. So if tongues was of the devil, and Paul justified it, advocated it, right, then tongues, uh, then Paul was demon-possessed. Are you listening to me, somebody? So it doesn't make any sense. So here is the deal. You, come on, put your hand in your heart, on your heart, and say with me, I am in good company when I'm praying in tongues because Peter prayed in tongues and Paul prayed in tongues. I want you to write this down, please. Uh, write this down, please. Cessationism 
is nothing but intellectual and educational unbelief. I want you to write this down and never forget this. Cessationism, you will never find cessationism in the Bible. That is a doctrine of man. Cessationism is nothing but intellectual and educational unbelief. Are you listening? Cessationism is unbelief cloaked in or clothed in intellectualism and education. You hear what I'm saying here? Cessationism is what unbelief, unbelief clothed or cloaked in intellectualism and education. Now, I like to say it this way. Cessationism is erudite unbelief. Okay? Cessationism is erudite unbelief. But unbelief is what it is. It may be intellectual unbelief, but unbelief at its root, at its core, will kill you. Are you listening to me now? So, we do not agree with cessationism. We fully reject cessationism. All right? Are you listening to me? We believe not, not sensationism. Cessationism. C-E-S-S-A-T-I-O-N-I-S-M. All right, so all you have to do, uh, Priscilla, is to change the word S-E-N to C-E, okay? All right, so that's correct, all right? Cessationism is unbelief cloaked. It is erudite unbelief, but unbelief it is. And we know the Bible tells you in the book of Hebrews, so we see they could not enter into his rest because of their unbelief. Nothing to be sorry about, Miss, Miss Priscilla. We're all learning. Praise God. Glory to God. So, now, let's look at um, some benefits of praying in tongues. So, this week, I'm going to give you the power and the benefits of praying in tongues. Okay, now, write this down, please. First thing I want you to write down is... The first power that we're going to look at, first benefit that we're going to look at, I briefly just touched on it at the beginning. Number one, tongues is the prayer, the prayer of the New Testament believer for the New Testament age, the church age, and it is the ultimate prayer. It is the ultimate prayer. Can you say amen? Number one, tongues is the prayer of the New Testament believers, and it is the ultimate prayer. Can you say amen? Now, you need to write this down, please. First of all, let's go to Acts chapter 2. Now, we're going to apply... This principle of biblical interpretation. Jesus said to the disciples 
in what is known as the Great Commission in Mark chapter 16 that these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. In my name they shall speak with new tongues. The reason why tongues cannot be of the devil because it was part of the great commission spoken, decreed, declared by the general of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you listening? They, one of the signs that will follow the believer in the New Testament era is that they will cast out devil and one of the signs is they will speak with new tongues. Okay. So when did that occur? Let's go to Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost, verse 1, was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. All right. So where did tongues come from? Sound from heaven. As of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues. Circle the word cloven. Cloven means to be divided into two. So when the Bible tells you there appeared unto them cloven tongues, we can say it this way, there appeared unto them a twofold tongues. Cloven hoofs means that which is divided into two. Okay? All right. When you see a horse, a horse doesn't have cloven uh, hoof. Are you listening? It's just one. A cow on the other side, on the other hand, has got cloven hoofs. All right? Now, so there appeared unto them cloven tongues. All right? Look, look in your dictionary, please. What does the word cloven mean? Write this down. What does the word cloven? What does the word cloven mean? Look in your Bible, please. Cloven feet. Cloven means what? To be divided into two. Can you say amen? To be divided into two. So we can see here there was a twofold or two manifestation. Two cloven tongues means twofold tongues or two types, or two manifestations of tongues. All right? And there appeared unto them cloven tongues, like as of fire, and it sat upon them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak in other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. That is one type of tongue. Write this down, please. That is one type of tongue. Type number one is your prayer, your supernatural language. Your supernatural language. Your supernatural prayer language, talking to God. Then it says, verse 5, And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now, when this was noise abroad, 
the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them, heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? How hear we, look at the word, it didn't say how did they speak, it said how hear we, every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and the dwellers in Mesopotamia, and in Judea, and Cappadocia, in Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, in Egypt, and the, in the parts of Libya, about Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews, and proselytes, Cretes, and Arabians, we do hear them speaking in our tongues the wonderful works of God. Won't you write this down, please? Tongues is known as the wonderful works of God. Tongues is known as the what? The wonderful works of God. Now, what you've just seen here is the manifestation of cloven tongues, the manifestation of twofold tongues. So write this down, please. I want you to write this down. Write this down. Verse 4, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in uh, with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. Write this word down. Glossolalia. G-L-O-S-S-A. L-O-L-I-A, glossolalia. All right? Okay, now, glossolalia means your prayer language. Then, when they came outside, the people heard them speaking their language. I want you to write this down. That is called xenolalia. X-E-N-O-L-A-L-I-A. Xenolalia. What's the difference? Glossolalia is your prayer language. It's for private use. To build, your, to build your spirit man, to, to edify your spirit man. But xenolalia is as a one of the nine gifts of the spirit to benefit others. To benefit others. Can you say amen? Praise be to Jesus. Somebody say hallelujah. All right, so here's why I want you to write this down. Write, write this down, please. So number one, you've already got number one. Amen. You already have number one. Number one is tongues is the prayer of the New Testament believers, and it is the ultimate believer. Number two, what I want you to do is to write this down. Write this down, please. Number two. Number two. Write this down, please. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody say thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Write this down. Number two, tongues is the gift, the gift that keeps on giving. Tongues is the gift that keeps on giving. All right. Now, what does that mean? I want to give you under, under benefit and power, number two, that tongues, the tongues is the gift that keeps on giving, that Tongues has a threefold uh, work. The threefold work, the uh, tripartite work, threefold work of tongues. Number one, tongues ministers to you. It edifies your spirit. As a gift of the spirit, 
it ministers to others. And when you're praying also, right, you are blessing God. You are blessing God. You'll find this in the writings of the Apostle Paul. Can you say amen? So the threefold is that it ministers um, to you, to others, amen, and ministers to God. Can you say amen? Can you say amen? Hallelujah. With tongues, you minister to yourself. You minister to others as a gift of the Spirit. Amen. And you minister to God. You minister to God. The Bible tells us, the Bible said to us, uh, uh, let's go to Acts chapter 10 quickly, please. Acts chapter 10, verse 46. For they heard them speaking with tongues and magnifying God. Are you listening? We heard them speaking in tongues and magnifying God. So here is the threefold. It's the, that's why I call it the gifts that keeps on giving. It ministers to you. It edifies you spiritually. It builds up your spirit man. It causes you to be spiritually fit. Number two, it ministers to others as one of the gifts of the spirit. But then it ministers to God also. You just read it here. We heard them speaking uh, in tongues, magnifying God, blessing God. Can you say amen? So can you lift up your hands and say with me, when I'm praying in tongues, when I'm speaking in tongues, amen, it's the gift that keep on giving. It will minister to me. It will minister to others. It will minister to God. Can you say hallelujah? Can you say glory be to God? That's what. That's number two. Thank you, Jesus. Can you say hallelujah? Number three, I want you please to write this down. Number three, the third benefit of praying in unknown tongues. This is why you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Now, remember this. What's the difference between tongues as a prayer language and tongues as a gift of the Spirit? We will deal with that during the week, but let me just whet your appetite. Tongues as your prayer language, it is your private use for your private use, and you can turn it on and turn it off anytime you want to. But tongues as a gift of the Spirit is at the leading of the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's go to, praise be to the Lord, number three. Power of bringing tongues, benefit number three. Tongues is your ultimate help. Tongues is the avenue that you draw from the help of the Holy Spirit. How are you going to draw from the help of the Holy Spirit? Well, I don't know. I'm just kind of hoping it's going to just zap me. <laughs> All right. All right. Look at Romans chapter 8. So... Brother Paul tells you how you draw. You deliberately, actively, purposefully draw from the help of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8 and verse 26. 
Likewise, the Holy Spirit helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. In other words, in your mind, you don't know if you're going to use petition, supplication, do I bind, do I lose? No, 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 no. So you, 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 that's the ultimate weakness when you don't know which weapon to use. All right? But the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Or like some Bible says, with inarticulate speech. That is not coming in English, but it is inarticulate, which means it is coming from your spirit man. It's not English. It's not your natural language. It's coming from your spirit man, from the reservoir, from the well of your spirit. Can you say amen? And he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit. Are you listening? Uh, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And then verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Now stop right there. You don't qualify for this verse until you do verse 26. The qualification of this verse 28 is 26. Are you listening? How many times you've heard people say, well, you know, all things work together for good. To him that love God. I know a lot of people that love God. And nothing's working out good for them. Are you listening? You may be one that love God. And things right now. Are not working together for your good. Well how do you get things to work together for your good? Well you do. If you want verse 28. You got to get verse 26. 2 plus 2. Equals 4. Verse 26. Plus verse 27 equals verse 28. Did you hear that? Verse 26 plus verse 27 equals verse 28. Verse 28 is the effect. But verse 26 attached with verse 27 are the causes. It's cause and effect. Cause and effect. Can you say amen? So, Tongues is the avenue how you draw on the help of the Holy Spirit. So how did the church draw on the help of the Holy Spirit to help Peter when he was in jail? Well, they prayed in the Spirit. They prayed without ceasing. Extended and protracted prayers. Can you say hallelujah? Can you say glory to God forever? So number three, tongues is the ultimate help to draw on the help of the Holy Spirit. And you need to draw on the help of the Holy Spirit to get you out of the maze that you find yourself in. In fact, I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. Life without tongues is like being stuck in a maze, in a labyrinth, and forever moving, but never getting out. Let me say it again. Tongues, living life without tongues, 
is like being stuck in a maze. Finding yourself in a maze, in a labyrinth, and you do not, you are forever moving, but you don't know how to get out. You know what a maze is? You know what a labyrinth is? It's a garden when you have all kind of, uh, uh, it's, a lot of time it's separated by uh, a different range of bamboos and, uh, and, and other trees, and you're forever moving, trying to get out, but you don't know which way to get out because it's you're stuck in it. You're stuck in it. So how do you get out? Well, life without tongues is like being stuck in a maze, in a labyrinth, and you do not know how to get out. Oh, but when you pray in tongues, glory to God forever, no matter what Satan, no matter what maze Satan put you in, and what labyrinth Satan put you in, he will lead you from your spirit, man, and take you out. Can you say, I'm coming out? Glory to God forever. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Miss Bonnie. Praise the Lord. So that was what? Number three, right? That was number three. Number four, I want you to write this down, please. Number four, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Number four, the power of praying in tongues, benefit number four. I want you to write this down, please. Tongues is sowing into the spirit. Tongues is sowing into the spirit. Okay. Where do we find this? Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. We are going to read uh, verse 8. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 8 says, For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. Now, none of you listening to me right now needs me to decipher this verse because y'all know, we all know how to sow to the flesh. We have been sowing to the flesh ever since we were born. As a little kid, we, we were professionals to sow to the flesh. But then he says, but he that sows to the spirit shall of the spirit reap everlasting life. Uh, read the Amplified Bible, the Amplified Classic. In fact, let me try to read that for you from the Amplified Classic. Let me just get my... Um, my Bible on here. Thank you, Lord. What did I say now? Galatians 6. Galatians 6. Oh, somebody can put it online. For me, I would sure appreciate it. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 8. Amplified. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amplified Bible says. Amplified classic. Okay, classic. I want to look at classic. Thank you. Jesus. Okay. For he that sows to his own flesh, lower nature, sensuality, will reap from the flesh decay and ruin and destruction. But he that sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit, or out of the deposit that he has made in the Spirit, will reap everlasting life. Will reap everlasting life. Let me read that to you from other translation. All right, thank you, Jesus. Praise be to the Lord. Okay, let's see now. 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. Okay. <clears throat> this is what the Passion Translation says. The harvest you reap reveals the seed that you planted. If you plant the corrupt seeds of self-life into the natural realm, you can expect a harvest of corruption. But if you plant the good seeds of the spirit life, you will reap beautiful fruits that grow from the everlasting life of the spirit. Well, how do I sow? How do I sow to the spirit or in the spirit? Well, how do you sow in the natural realm? You got to use seeds. What is seed? Jesus called the seed the word of God. Are you listening? Just like in the natural, the seed is what you use to sow in the spirit realm. You use the same principle. You use seeds. What seeds? Seeds of tongues. Seeds of words uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? Can you say amen? So this is how you sow in the spirit is by praying in unknown tongues. Can you say amen? So number four, tongues is sowing into the spirit. Now, this is every time you're praying in tongues, every time you're going to prayer meeting and you're praying in tongues, you are sowing to the spirit. And out of the deposit that you have sown, out of your seed time of tongues, you will receive a harvest of the blessings of tongues. Can you say amen? Can you say praise the Lord? Glory be to God. Okay, that was number four. Let me give you uh, number five. Write this down, please. Number five, what is the power of praying in tongues? And benefit number five, write this down. Tongues, ladies and gentlemen, is the filling up of your vial, okay, with the incense and fragrance of prayers of intercession, which when it is full will come back to the earth as fire. Let me say it again. That's a mouthful, but it's a good full. <laughs> Tongues is the filling up of your vial with the incense and fragrance of prayers in intercession, which when it is full will come back to the earth as fire. Now, now, where do we, I want us to look at three scripture references. Psalms 141. Psalms 141. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, let's read verse <clears throat> 1 and 2. David says, Lord, I cry unto thee. That doesn't mean he's, you know, no. He's crying from prayer, a heart of prayer. Make haste unto me. Give ear unto my voice. What does that mean? Heed my prayer when I cry unto thee. Verse 2, let my prayer be set forth before thee as what? Incense. And the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. So circle the word prayer and incense and say this with me. Prayer is incense. 
All right, incense. Incense. All right, let's go to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. We are going to be reading verse 8. Verse 8, Revelation chapter 5, verse 8 says, And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. There's the word vials. Can you see it now? Uh, Revelation 5, verse 8. They had every one of them harps and what? Golden vials. Golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Now, if somebody can put that for me, please, in a newer translation, the Passion Translation, all right, or any other translation, okay? Revelation 5 and verse 8. Thank you, Jesus. Can you say amen? Revelation chapter 5 and verse 8 from a different translation. Thank you, Lord. And you say, thank you, Jesus. All right, now, here's what the um, the Passion Translation says. Each of them had a harp and a golden bowl, and golden bowls, brimming, 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 full of sweet fragrance incense, which are the prayers of God's holy lovers. Glory to God. I'm a God holy lover. How about you? You're a God holy lover? Amen. Each of them had a harp and golden bowls. Golden bowls. Is your bowl filled? Is your vial filled with tongues, with the fragrance of tongues, with the sweet fragrant incense, amen, that goes up before God? Now, let's go to Revelation chapter 8, and also if you can put that in different translation. Revelation chapter 8 and verse 3. All right, let's read verse 3 to verse 4. Well, we're going to read verse 3 to verse 5. Glory to God. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense, not a little incense, but much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers. Prayers, incense. Of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. Ah, the throne of who? The throne of God. Put your finger here. Let me go to 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14. And look at verse 2. For he that speaketh or prayeth in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto man, but unto who? Unto God. Wow. So that tells you that tongues is the sweet aroma, the sweet incense that goes straight up as a sweet incense to the very altar of God, the very throne of God. Can you say amen? Now let's keep on reading, please. Back up to Revelation chapter 8, it says, verse um, verse uh, 3 now, the last part, And the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. 
and the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hands. Uh-huh. So not only is tongues gives you access to, uh, goes into your vial, into your golden bowl, a sweet fragrance, a sweet incense that goes up to the altar, golden altar at the very throne of God, but it is taken there by the angel of God, by an angel of God, by your angel. Before God, out of the angel's hands, and the angel took the censer and filled it with what? Fire of the altar and cast it upon the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and earthquakes. That is what that is exactly what happened to the Apostle Paul and Silas. At midnight, after being whipped, they were put in the inner dungeon. But at midnight, Paul and Silas began to pray. What prayer do you think they did? Well, they prayed in tongues. Are you listening? Because when you are whooped, when your back is bleeding and your back is hurting, you're going to be praying in tongues. They were praying in tongues. Glory to God. And that angel took that golden vial, their bowl, with the sweet aroma of the prayer and the praise, went straight before the altar of God, the golden altar of God at the throne, and then fire, because once you put incense, you put fire, glory to God. Can you say amen? And fire came down, and there was earthquake. There was earthquake, and suddenly there was an earthquake that the place began. It was a great shaking. An earthquake, the place began to shake. All the prison chains came off. Right, the prisoners' chains came off, and all the prison doors were open. Why? Because fire had come down from the altar. But fire could not go come down from the altar if the incense of tongues did not rise up. Can you say, man? Now, I need you to write this down. I need you to write this down. What number was that was number five, right? That was number five. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to write this down, ladies and gentlemen. Number six. Number six. Now, remember what I told you about how tongues has a threefold effect, good effect. It ministers to you. It ministers to others. And it ministers to God, right? Now, let me give you one detrimental aspect of tongues which goes towards the devil. For you, it will minister to you, to God, and to others. But to Satan, it is very deadly and detrimental. Now, write this down, please. The word incense, come on, write it down. Write the word in. We're going to close in the next minute. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Write this down, please. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Can you say thank you, Lord Jesus? Can you say, come on, come on. Now. Say, say, say thank you, Lord Jesus. 
All right, please write this down, please. <clears throat> All right, write this down. Thank you, Jesus. Write this word down. The Hebrew word for incense is the Hebrew word ketoreth. Q-E-T-O-R-E-T-H. Ketoreth. Write this down, please. And ketoreth has two meanings. Number one, it means sweet aroma, perfume, right? But katorath also means, write this down, please. Thank you, Jesus. It means fumigation, fumigation. Now, you know when, I don't know about some of you, like if you've got rats in the houses, in the building, in the warehouse, one of the way that they used to do, especially in Africa, all right, they will they will fumigate. They will put fire and fumigate all the entrances, and that will smoke them out, smoke out all. All right, smoke out all the rats. Are you listening? Because of the fumigation, glory to God forever. Can you say Amen? Amen. So when you're praying in tongues, yes, it's a sweet-smelling aroma into God's nostrils. Yes, you are edifying your spirit, man. Yes, you're helping others. But when it comes to Satan, you are fumigating. Amen. And getting all the rats, getting all the demons out. Can you say amen? Can you say glory to God? Well, ladies and gentlemen, my time is up. My time is up. I look forward to be with you tomorrow. So what I want you to do is to go and pray in tongues. And release some perfume in the spirit. Let your angel take out this perfume into the very nostrils, the very throne of God, the very altar of God. But at the same time, when it comes to your home, to your place, fumigate Satan out, fumigate all these demons out. Can you say amen? Thanks for listening to this episode of the Faith Lift Radio Podcast. For more information about Dr. Glenn, and how to offer your financial support, log on to glenarecchion.org.